Welcome to the Great Little Zion Baptist Church. We celebrate your presence here today with us. Enjoy the worship service as you sit back and listen to the singing as it gives inspiration to your soul and then the preaching of the word of God as it gives instruction to your soul. Be blessed as God has a word for you today.
This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. It is First Sunday, and you know what we do on First Sunday. Before we have the sermon, we have our children's moment. So if you will, get your children, gather them around this virtual space, and let's share together in the Word of God. Today, our lesson is going to come from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, and verse 31 is going to be our verse of concentration. Here is what it says. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and grabbed Simon Peter. Children, has there ever been a time when you needed a helping hand? Of course you have. Remember when you first learned to tie your shoes and your mom or your dad or someone helped you patiently to tie those shoes? Remember the first time you started to learn how to ride a bicycle and someone patiently walked alongside of you as you were trying to learn how to balance your bicycle even with the training wheels on there? Or remember when you started to learn to read, someone patiently took the time to teach you every word, how to pronounce it, how to make sure you listen for the sound, for the different letters and their expressions. Or do you remember even as you were growing up that you had to learn how to drive a car and if you're not old enough yet, you eventually will have to learn how to drive a car. And someone's going to have to patiently teach you. Our story today is to let you know that even when you become an adult, a grown-up, you will still need someone to give you a helping hand. Jesus and some of his disciples were crossing a river and a great storm arose and that storm scared the disciples so much so that while it was brewing shaking the ship Jesus came walking on water and Simon Peter says God if that's you bid me to come out there where you are and Jesus says come and when Simon Peter began to walk on the water the waves around him and the storm scared him and he began to sink and he cried out Lord help me and what did Jesus do he reached out 
and gave him a helping hand. Here's the lesson. As you get to be an adult, you are still going to need a helping hand. And when you learn early that when no one else can help you, always know that God is there to give you a helping hand. This is Pastor Murphy saying, believe in God and believe in his helpful hands. He'll always be there to assist you. Amen. God bless you.
morning, Zion. We're going to continue in our sermon series entitled Living Out Loud, Life According to the Psalms. I invite you this morning, if you will, to take your Bibles and turn with me as we take a journey in Psalm 25. Psalm 25, and we're going to read selected verses in the psalm. Psalm 25. We're going to read verses 4 and 5 and also verse 9 and 15. Psalm 25, beginning at verse 4. I am reading from the New Living Translation as the word of God this morning. Here's what it says. Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me the right path, O Lord, Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. And then in verse 9. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. Verse 10. The Lord leads with unfailing love and, uh, and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. And then verse 15, my eyes are always on the Lord for he rescues me from the traps of my enemy. Today's sermon is entitled The Guided Life. The Guided Life. Last week, we journeyed through Psalm 139 with the focus on asking God to search me or search us that we might live an examined life posture. Today, we want to explore Psalm 25 and expound upon how we can learn to live the guided life. Now, what do I mean by the guided life? We are referring to direction, to focus, to listening, to following, and eventually, because of our obedience, reaping what we have sown. We're talking about investing in ourselves, in our relationship with God. We're talking about irrigating, watering, supplying, nurturing our relationship that we might have a victorious, guided life. We're talking about harvesting, rejoicing in what will come forth in due season. I begin by defining these terms with that launching statement I mentioned on last week, and here's what I said. If you don't know where you belong, you will adapt to where you are. That's a reflection, is it not, of a statement also made by Carter G. Woodson? His word says it this way, when you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. You do not have to tell him to stand here or go yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. 
It's because that person has adapted to where they are now, arguably perhaps, in the name of survival. They are merely trying to survive the context in which they're in, or it could very well be merely a result of ignorance. Someone equally human as you are has decided to determine both your direction and your destiny. I want to suggest that in this current political climate, someone and often something is trying to control both our present and our future. Even in this religious climate, someone is attempting to control our comprehension of who God is, of who Christ is, of who the Holy Spirit is, and self by determining for you what they believe you should believe to be the will of God. Their evil intentional premise desires to guide life, I believe, with a false outcome. We may not be able to identify the specific context or the experience that gave birth to this 25th Psalm. However, we can be assured that there are clues throughout the text that highly suggest that it was a context of assault. It was a situation of injury and danger which is all too familiar in David's journey. David has witnessed this kind of stress and activity before in his life. Enemies seem to be launching all around him in this moment of tension and aggravation. He is attacked by his enemies. The enemies are attacking your dreams and my dreams, our visions, they are dream killers. Listen to what David says in verse 2 and 3. I trust in you, God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. In other words, David makes clear, God, I'm trusting even if I don't get to where I anticipate to, don't let me be a disgrace and let my enemies rejoice over that moment. But instead, I know that you will cause disgrace to come on those who are trying to blanket and snuff out my dream. David, is a tr he's entrapped in a long struggle, a duration of frustration by his enemies. Listen to what he says in verse 17. He says, my problems go from bad to worse. Lord, save me from them all. Does that sound familiar? David is saying that this journey that I have had in this moment, in this current moment of tension, it goes from bad to worse. David understood that his enemies were trying to stretch him out with longevity in difficulty and frustration. He feels isolated and alone. 
It is intended by his enemies to make him feel helpless. Listen to what he says in verse 19. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. They want him to feel like nobody in the world has any feeling or care for him. And so they push the idea around David that he is indeed alone. Verse 16 as well. Listen to what it says. Turn to me and have mercy for I am alone and in deep distress. They want David to feel isolated and alone. But then David also knows that he is surrounded by haters. That's what he says again in verse 19. He says that I know I have got many enemies and all of them viciously hate me. And now he feels like he's in a space of desperation in this song. So David does the only thing that he knows that will get him through this dark moment. He cries out in prayer. He knows that God alone is able to deliver him from his enemy. And isn't it strange how this issue of enemy occupies this narrative? Enemies. Who needs them? Who needs enemies? And who wants enemies? And yet it's interesting to note that when you read scripture, Scripture infers that enemies are necessary in order to move from average to good to great. You can actually see that taking place in David's life as he moves from the bear to the lion and then to Goliath. We don't hear a lot about the bear and the lion, but his greatness seems to come when he faces what at that moment is his largest enemy, Goliath. And David is certain that enemies, without question, this is what I think he's trying to tell us, enemies, without question, help decide your promotion from average to good to great. That explains why he said in verse 1 through 3, I give my life to you, God, I trust in you, God. Don't let me be a disgrace or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others, which may suggest that a defeat is not necessarily a defeat because God is working all things together for the good and it may not turn out the way that you had desired, but it will turn out for your good. Know that God will provide for you the needed guidance to confront and navigate through every intention of your enemies. David said, God prepares a table, a feast for me in the presence of my enemy, Psalm 23 and 5. He says that when his enemy comes to attack him, they will stumble and fall. And though his enemies surround him, his heart will not be afraid. And even if they attack him, 
he will still remain confident in God. Psalm 27, 3. David said, the Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear when God gets ready for that to happen. Psalm 37, verse 20. Here's why that's important. It's important because you have to know again where you are because where you are determines what grows within you. Whether it's your weakness or your strength because if you're not careful, as I said previously, you will eventually adapt to where you are and adapting could be survival but it also could be suicide. And I think David is suggesting that when you got an idea of where you are, what grows inside of you will be your strength to create tenacity to push forward in Jesus' name. Also, where you are determines what lies within you by way of fear, doubt, lack, ignorance, or indecisiveness because where David is right now is a space in which he's struggling because his enemies are bringing about an onslaught attack and you may feel that way right now that the whole world is falling down all around you David is helping us to recognize that when that happens, don't lose courage, don't lose hope. But David says, I'm trying to encourage you to live a guided life because your future depends upon your willingness to listen to the voice through the word of God. He that has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says. That's what Jesus said in gospel according to Mark chapter 4. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. That's what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Your willingness to hear the voice of God will determine how successful your guided life will be. In fact, David strongly suggested the only thing you will ever need to know is what to do next. And that's what I want to contend that David is telling us in this song. What to do next when you decide that you want to live a guided life for the kingdom of God. Three things and then I'm done. Here's what he says. David says, when you want to live that guided life, first, ask God for divine instruction. Listen to what he says in verse 4 and 5. He says, show me the right path, Lord, and point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me and I put my trust in you all the day long. Part of living a guided life is to understand, listen carefully now, that your assignment will always have an adversary. 
In other words, whenever God gives a purpose to your life, and there is one, your assignment will always raise an adversary, someone who will always be against, oppose your direction in the kingdom of God. The guided life is lived with pressure. It's not only lived by faith, but it's lived by faith stretching. It's crisis oriented, which causes a need to be guided, directed through the valleys and the shadows of death. Our foreparents would articulate their desire for instruction to live a guided life this way. Lead me. Guide me along the way. For if you lead me, I cannot stray. Lord, help me walk each day with you. Lead me, oh Lord, lead me. Do you hear that in there? They know that their assignment raises an adversary that attempts to push them off course so they cry out to God for divine instruction lead me but then in the second verse of that hymn comes this line help me tread in the path of righteousness be my aid when Satan and sin oppress I am putting all my trust in thee lead me O Lord lead me Who's leading you today? Who's leading you in the midst of your crisis? Who's leading you to overcome? Who's leading you to the state of victory? Who's leading you in the midst of this virus contention? Cry out to God and says David in Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5, God will lead you. In fact, he's the only one who will lead you, says David, in the right path in the path and David says more specifically point out the right road that I need to take David says in other words I don't want to just leave things to chance I know that you're going to leave but Lord I want your guidance to be so specific that I want you to lead me and show me point out the right road that I need to take and even when I am on a road and truth is challenged, he says in verse 5, Lord, lead me with your truth. Even when my flesh desires to do otherwise, lead me with your truth and teach me along the way. I heard the late God to Taylor often say that it's a tragic thing to go through hell and not learn something in the process. Who wants to be led in the right path and yet not learn even when in that path there's pressure. There's a challenge. There's a moment in which one is in contention between obedience and disobedience. And David says, make it clear, God, I want you to give me your divine instruction. And in this pandemic, you need divine instruction. You need God to lead you down the right path. But David also says, secondly, that we not only need divine instruction, but David says, don't forget to recognize divine 
impact. Listen to what he says. Verse 5, clause B through C. For you are the God who saves me. All the day long, I put my trust in you. Listen to what he says in verse 8. He says, Lord, you are good and you do what is right and you show the proper path to those who go astray. Ah, now David says, even in the midst of my attempting to be obedient, I recognize that there's a good chance I still may go off course. But he says, God, I trust you that you not only will give me a guided life, but I'm trusting you because you have an impacting track record with me. In other words, he says, I'm not depending on what you did in my father's life, Jesse, nor in what you did in Saul's life, but I've got a record with you. I've got my own testimony, and we've got to believe that the most memorable would be how God helped David defeat Goliath, but also how God granted forgiveness as a result of David's transgression of murder and adultery. How do I know that? Listen to what he says in the text. He says in verse 11, for the honor of your name, Lord, forgive my many, many sins. N not just three or the two that I've mentioned, but David says, I got a long list and your divine forgiveness has made such an impact on my life that I just cannot let you go on this life's journey. He said he, in verse 11, he will for not only forgive my sin, but in verse 12, Lord, for those who fear you, you will show them the path that they need to choose. And David says the record with God in terms of his impacting is far beyond what I could tell you. Here's a question. Do you have any impacting moments that you can recall which God, in which you helped, in which you trust, God helped you live a guided life? You got any moments that you can point to as David would, how God led you through, led you out, led you over? Do you have any impacting moments when you needed the helping hand and God says, David, rescues you that God has and in the process now is still rescuing you? David says that God makes divine impact in our lives. And that's the reason why when we were in church, you could hear a song or a scripture, or a prayer, or in a moment of meditation and something would strike in your soul because divine impact has caused you to remember not only from whom all blessings flow, but you also remembered if it had not been for the Lord on your side. Defeat would have been imminent. Frustration would have occupied the journey and you never would have known what it meant 
to be victorious. But that's not your story nor mine. We celebrate because we are more than conquerors. Because God has divine impact. He not only gives us divine instruction. He not only provides for us divine impact. But David finally says to live a guided life with God. God provides divine insight. Look what he says in verse 15. My eyes are always on the Lord. For he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. I hear once again the importation of Psalm 51 verse 11. And this is important because the insight that David is sharing is for us to understand. In order for us to live a guided life, we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and after David's fall of murder and adultery Psalm 51 he cries out Lord whatever you do do not cast me away from your presence nor take away your Holy Spirit from me in other words David says I can't live a guided life if you won't allow me to remain in your presence and you won't permit me to be assured of your guidance in my life. I need your divine insight, says David, which see what I don't see. And David says what I often don't see is the traps of my enemies. And David says, I need the Holy Spirit to direct me and to lead me and even to move when I don't know what's going on. There's an interesting episode, I think it's in the book of Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas desires to go to Bithynia to share the gospel. They were bent on trying to get to this space, this geographical space to share the gospel, to take the gospel there. But the Holy Spirit kept setting up roadblocks and they never could get there. Instead, talk about God guiding you, they ended up in a place called Troyes. And that's where God wanted him, Paul, because there in the night, Paul heard from another city called Macedonia, a Macedonian called from a man who said, come over into Macedonia and help us. And that's how the gospel makes its entry into the continent of Europe. Paul, being guided by God, and yet, the Holy Spirit setting up roadblocks. Well, that's how the Spirit works when the enemy sets up traps. Tells you how to go around. When those wise men were coming to see that baby Jesus, Herod had a trap. 
He tells them, whenever you find him, come back and tell me that I might go and worship as well. But they found him, and on their way back, God says, don't go back to Herod. Don't tell him anything. He doesn't have the right motive. He's trying to create problems. God will do that even in your life, will direct you. Here's how it works. You may not hear the voice, but isn't it strange how sometimes you have an intention of going one way and something tells you, no, nah, let's go another way. Or you may have the experience I've had where you end up going another way, not even know why you missed the turn or decided not to take the turn, but you went in a different direction, only to discover later it was the right thing to do. Because God has provided divine insight, says David. And here's what he says. I need the Holy Spirit to bring for me by way of guidance, clarity in the word. So when I read the scripture, I don't want to just read something and, and just hear something on a page. I want to hear what thus says the Lord. What's the intention in which God you're trying to lead in my life? The Holy Spirit is needed for guidance to make wise choices when trouble is present. I need to know what to do, which direction to go, how to react, respond when trouble's around. And I want to trust the Spirit of God to lead me where I need to go. The Holy Spirit also guides for companionship each and every day. Jesus said in John 16 and 17, particularly verse, uh, chapter 17, that the Holy Spirit will testify of him. He has no intention of, at all of trying to exhort himself only to anchor the relationship between Christ and his disciple. And I want to tell you today, you need God to guide you with divine instruction, with divine impact, and with divine insight. Because in that insight, God can save you a tremendous amount of heartache and brokenness. That's the joy we get here out of Psalm 25, that David is trying to argue that when you're living a guided life under the auspices of God's direction, no matter what the enemy attempts to do, victory will always be yours because God will always lead you where you will always find sustenance, victory, and the power to overcome. We are not only called to live a blessed life, we are called to live an examined life. But today, we've been introduced by Psalm 25, we are called to live a guided life. That's my prayer for you this morning. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Lord, somebody today who may be off course in their relationship with you, 
through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the power of your word, put them back on course. May they concur in obedience and be able to experience the victory that you have for them on this day. May they come to recognize that when God is leading, no weapon formed against you will ever be able to prosper. And even if it does rise up, it cannot be successful. Because God, you place a hedge of protection all around us. And we thank you on this day. Somebody, Lord, in this world is going to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I thank you for knowing that the day is going to be the beginning of a new day for someone as they walk away from leading themselves now to walking in having a guided life by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've prayed this prayer, Lord, I know now that I need you and that your salvation was provided totally for me to secure myself in eternity. I embrace your son Jesus Christ as my Lord today. Come into my heart. Save me. And your word tells me as a result of that confession, today I'm saved. If you've made that public confession in your heart and mind, we would love to know about it. I guarantee you your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life and it would be our joy to celebrate with you if you would just tell us, hey, on this Sunday, I made a decision to trust Christ and I want you at the Great Little Zion Baptist Church know that I'm a new child in the kingdom of God. We're going to celebrate and rejoice with you when that moment's happened and we would extend our arms of gratitude and thankfulness because we want to be your church family. We want you to be a part of ours. We receive you with thanksgiving. Well, we want to say to all of those who have been so kind and supporting and making sure financially that this ministry stays afloat, thank you so much. And of course, we always invite you to prepare and giving of your tithes and offering by way of your electronic device, or you decide to go to our website and do your electronic uh, giving there, or the old-fashioned way, you just mail it to us, we receive it with thanksgiving. We are grateful, recognizing, I don't take lightly, that you're the one who makes this possible each and every week. And I thank you on behalf of this congregation and each of you who are members, thank you for sending your tithes and offerings, keeping this ministry afloat, giving us a chance to share the gospel in a very powerful way. Well, I hope this word blessed you and I hope that you recognize that God loves you and so do I. If nothing else, give yourself a big old hug and remember the best is always yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord.